Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 233 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, joined by a full house tonight, starting with the man himself, Dave Choate at the Falcoholic. Dave, how are we doing tonight? We're in a good mood, man. It's uh, It's been a fun start to free agency, so I love it. It has been. It's been more active than like maybe the last three or four free agencies combined, it feels like. Uh, so no complaints. Easily. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe the last like seven. Right. They Maybe. You might be right about that. Also joining us tonight... Uh, my co-host Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way. Adnan, how are you doing tonight? Uh, doing very well. Um, I am wondering if Terry Fontenot decided to give himself the day off today because we've heard <laughs> no news. So, you know, maybe it was one of those, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a nice relaxing day to myself today. Well, you know, we after we have conquered, you need a day of rest, right? I think, I think that's what he's trying to implement, uh, a healthy lifestyle. So I, I approve of that. Uh, I appreciate Terry Fontenot knowing when to take a step back and evaluate and, and not overstep. Uh, but yeah, it, it was like funny after like, it just seemed like it was just move after move. And then today was just kind of quiet, but uh, Hey, you can't hate, you know, I, I I'm very, very happy with uh, everything that's happened so far. And I'm sure we also, will get, yeah. yeah also shout out to scar in the chat saying that Dave looks like he's in a witness protection program right now. <laughs> yeah. I think all the Dave meat stuff maybe was scaring him I'll a little bit. So now he's in darkness. Yeah. <laughs> Taking Aaron Rodgers advice. Unbelievable. Yeah, the darkness retreat. Exactly. But as you can see, we also have with us Alan Sturk at Alan Sturk on the Twitters. Alan, how are you doing tonight? Oh man, I'm thrilled. Like it's the first time in a long time I'm buzzing about Falcons off season. Although this past hour we've, we've gotten some unfortunate news, but look, that comes a free agency. Not everything's going to be hundred percent, but nevertheless, oh man. Yeah, we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Yeah, I, I was either talking about uh, the Jamal Williams signing or the Isaiah Oliver signing. Both, yeah. <laughs> both, both. Yeah, honestly, yeah. That's or the, the Miles Sanders signing too. Shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, you yeah. know, it's yeah, yeah. yeah. Let, let's see Miles Sanders not running behind that Eagles offensive line. Uh, I'll, I'll say yeah. that much. Very fair. Very fair. But yeah, guys, uh, as you know, we got a lot to cover tonight, uh, and we're gonna get through as much of it as we can, as well as uh, I know we have some questions already. Uh, so yeah, we're, let's get right to it. I'm going to let it be, be player's choice tonight. Uh, we'll go around uh, talking about the moves in the order that you guys want. So we'll start with the boss man, Dave Choate, uh, guest of the hour. Dave, uh, why don't you kick us off? Who who do you want to highlight first? Oh man, that, that's a tough question. There's because, so many. Uh, I mean, there are so many signings. Um, I think I'm going to go with Caden Ellis because to me, he's, he's such an interesting signing. Um, 
you know, a guy who looms potentially as like a versatile chess piece for the Falcons, but also a guy who has one truly great year under his belt. Um, and then, you know, before that, barely any starts, primarily special teams work. So, you know, the Falcons gave him the kind of contract that suggests, you know, Ryan Nielsen's pretty confident this is a guy that we're going to feel good now in the next couple of years. But it's hard to know, you know, whether that faith is justified or not until we see him out there. So, like, to me, like, you had a, a, a mix of signings of guys that we've seen already succeed in Atlanta, right, re-signings and so forth. You you have guys with track records um, like David Onyemata who have been good for many years now. Um, and then Ellis is sort of that outlier where, you know, it's a, a leap of faith to bring him in and say, this is who this guy is, what we saw last year, and he's going to be great. And if they're right, I think, you know, having him and, and maybe a second year Troy Anderson working together is going to be ridiculously fun. Um, and if they're wrong, it's not the end of the world. Um, but it, it really did kind of stand out to me, I think, out of all the signings that they made um, as the one that maybe has the, the greatest boom bust potential. So it, that, that was an interesting one to me uh, it, and maybe the only one that gave me any pause. But yeah. it, it's been a wildly successful in my mind, you know, assuming all these guys actually sign uh, first <laughs> yeah. couple of days of legal tampering and so forth. Yeah, no, I mean. The Ellis one is one that I think that is very underrated, uh, really a kind of a one-year wonder type of player, but very productive, had certainly more sacks than any Falcons player, uh, playing sort of that strong side linebacker role for the Saints. Uh, PFF loved him as well. So, you know, if anyone would know, like, if he was sort of a fluke or a guy that is just on the upswing in a big way, it would be Ryan Nielsen. And that's why I feel so confident about the former saints that were signed because who would know any better than Nielsen and like Fontenot to some extent too would know, I would think. But in terms of the recent guys, like who would know better than the guy that literally just was there coaching these guys every single day. So um, yeah, Ellis is, is a really interesting one. And I think people underestimate that he does provide some of that pass rush ability as well. Uh, like a significant amount. I mean, seven sacks was more than any other Falcons player, almost double uh, right. Cause I think Carter had the most with like four and a half or something. So, um, you know, not, not anything to, uh, to discount there with Caden Ellis. Um, yeah. Anybody else want to touch on Ellis? I really like that Dave mentioned it because I think he was underrated. Didn't he get signed like at 10 o'clock or technically signed? It was late. Yeah. I just remember being like 10 o'clock on a Monday and his name popping up. So I think it just caught everyone by surprise and, but you look in New Orleans with DeMario Davis and Pete Warner, arguably the best linebacking combination in the league. It's kind of understandable why Ellis didn't get necessarily all the snaps that we know, you know playing a strong side linebacker, you know, well, like 30, 35% of the time, that formation at most. So the limited snaps are understandable. But wow, you look the way he's graded and just coming for that New Orleans defense. It's exciting. Like, I, I can't say I recall too much from him, but. Look, I think the numbers speak for itself, and I just think having that versatility is so key. You know, we preach about it all the time, whether you're on the line, linebacker, corner, safety, whatever position may be, have that versatility. So uh, whether he's playing more on the weak side or strong side, I'm, I'm really curious to see how he's utilized. And I think he'd be a huge asset as a blitzer as well, given that how much the Falcons have struggled in recent years 
when it comes to utilizing linebackers from a blitzing standpoint. Because other than Foy Luakon in like 2020, I can't remember a Falcons linebacker really shining as a blitzer from a line from the linebacker position. So Dion Jones had like that one year, right? But that was it. Yeah. Yeah. But besides that, like I, I think they could use more there and hopefully just a familiarity of Ryan Nelson. You have to be excited about it. So yeah. great great call Dave. Shout out Kate Nelson. Yeah, I think yeah. we're about him. I know that um, counting stats are, you know, kind of overrated and they, you know, completely depend on scheme and situation. But Ellis, as a linebacker, had seven sacks last year. Um, that was highly referenced by Rappaport, by all the reporters. The last time a Falcon had seven sacks, and I tweeted this out, was Vic Beasley in 2019 when he had eight sacks. You know, so the Falcons haven't had a single player reach that many in three seasons. And you know, in addition to that pass rushing prowess, it was a really good run defender, too. Um, PFF graded his run defense, I think, as like an 81 last year, which is high end. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, you know, I think the Falcons got him uh, a bit more on the cheap. Uh, annual average, like seven mil a year. I'm pretty sure the last year will be unguaranteed. Um, and if he continues what we saw last year, you know, that's going to look like a hell of a bargain. And it's baked into the cost that he only had that one season. He started 11 games. He wasn't really like a full-on starter, but I was noticing a lot of Saints fans were very upset at at losing Ellis, you know, especially to the Falcons. So, you know, he's, he's still very young. I think his best years could be ahead of him. So this could be, this could be one of those signings where we look back on it and we're like, yeah, that was, you know, bang for your buck, that was maybe even the best signing of the offseason. Yeah, I, th- I think it's definitely an underrated one and probably not the one people expected us to talk about off the top of the show, but that's why I wanted to open it up because I think it, it, it allows some opportunities to talk about some of these guys that uh, maybe are a little bit underrated. So that was that was a good one to start us off. Dave, I'll go with our, our next guest, Alan. Uh, who, who do you want to highlight uh, next here? Should we stick with the Saints theme? I know, sure. I know we're missing the crown jewel of it all, but uh, <laughs> I, we've been talking about Dan Amada or David. I see, man, I've been calling him Daniel <laughs> for like five years. It's David. I need to pinpoint this, damn it. Nevertheless, <laughs> Anya Mata, I think everyone's kind of been targeting. And, you know, I do like the the, the deal that they signed. I thought some people thought, oh, how, how can you pay a 30-year-old? But I think defensive tackles in general, especially the high-end ones, age well. Yeah. And he's someone that's been very durable outside the PED suspension. And he's just violent, which is when when have we described the Falcons defensive line as violent? Like besides right. Gary Jarrett, like I just miss seeing like this you know, the hand usage, the sweat, you know, the moves, like you just want to see physical. We've described them as fast and physical uh, before. Yeah, yeah. Along with Dan Quinn. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just you watch about tape and he's just it's not just throwing people around, it's just also he's just battling, like he takes on double teams and I said, great Jarrett needs support for so long. And yes, Taquan Grant made some strides, but Taquan Grant's still not a player I want to see playing 40, 45 snaps a game, at least not yet. So to get someone like Anyamata, it's getting a familiarity with Ryan Nielsen. Uh, I'm thrilled about it. And I think he just adds a new component to his offensive line. And uh, I think you watch teams across the league, interior pressures just be so valuable look at the eagles this year like they generate a lot of pressure inside so if this is the start of the falcons pass rush being competent and has to start from inside let's do it so you know huge plus seeing on come in you know he's definitely someone i was eyeing 
Yeah, that's a great one to highlight as well. I, I'm also a big fan of it. Uh, it's it's one of the guys I was definitely pounding the table for. You know, I think I had at the top of my list was Javon Hargrave, but I think we all knew that like he was going to be probably the most sought after interior free agent. So it was going to be really hard to convince him to come here over like literally every other team that he could choose from. Um, but on Yamada, because of the connection with, with Nielsen and with Fontenot, definitely made a lot of sense. I mean, it, they're paying him a pretty good amount, but like you said, he's only 30. Um, and it's only, I think a three year deal. Right. So it, it's not like he's going to be here till he's 35 or something. Um, and he's v- just been very consistent as a pass rusher consistent as a run defender um and i I, he just finally gives grady jared someone uh to play next to him that's actually (laughs) consistently good uh effective as a pass rusher and run defender um and like you said with taekwon graham here too um i mean it taekwon graham gets to be more of like the third guy off like the second like the first guy off the bench as, as opposed to like a premier starter and i think that's a better role for him too like i think he'll look a lot better as that first guy off the bench, the, the next man up in the rotation, then like a full-time starter. And maybe he can still grow into that good starter role, but um, I do like having him as your your primary backup uh, in this in this uh, defensive line, which is suddenly looking a little bit better here. So, um, yeah, anybody else want to touch on the Anyamata uh, signing? Uh, yeah, just to talk about, yeah, it, you know, it may be a little bit, you know, bit much regarding the salary. Uh, according to, to some people and that is the price that you have to pay for a guy on the open market uh 30 years old but you look at the options at defensive line and defensive tackle interior defensive line that was one of those positions of need for the falcons coming into this free agency period um deron Payne got signed got tagged and he signed a, a deal that he was well worth the 90 million dollars in washington he didn't even hit the market the other big name next to Yamada was javon hargrave from philadelphia and you look at the contract that he signed four years 84 million dollars hargrave got more guaranteed than Yamada got total in his contract yeah. and hargrave is also another guy who's 30 years old he's a year younger than Yamada, but this is one of those, you know, signings where last year of the deal, uh, if Anyamata isn't what you expect him to be, um, you can you can part ways with him, save ten and a half million dollars, four million dollar dead cap hit, or you can post June first him and uh, spread that dead cap hit two years or two million dollars each year. So it's you know two years he had two really really strong elite seasons in 2020 and 2021 uh the PED suspension was you know is a red flag for sure um wasn't amazing last year uh had more sacks last year than in 2021 but he played more games but you know he is someone that is easily the best defensive tackle that Grady Jarrett's ever played next to and that next gen stats I'll read out a tweet um that they posted Anyamata generated a 10.6 percent pressure rate over the last two seasons, which is the eighth highest among all defensive tackles in the NFL. And the Falcons' defensive tackles generated a 5.3% pressure rate, which was yeah. last in the NFL, which is literally exactly half that of Anyamata by himself. Yeah. So the pass rush is there. Uh, you can get to the quarterback. He had five sacks last year. 
which I mean, I think that would have been the team lead. I'm not entirely certain, but you know, it's certainly around there somewhere. But he, um, he and Grady Jarrett next to each other. This is going to be a big. It's going to be a big issue for defensive, for offensive guards, for offensive linemen, and it really scored over the Saints because it forced them to swallow ten million dollars in dead cap. It. He's familiar with Nielsen, and this is probably a guy that Nielsen, just like with Ellis, probably went went to bat for because he was Anyamata was the first official official free agent tampering signing of a free agent tampering announcement you know it started out with animata and that tells me that they they really circled his name like right off the bat yeah no i i like it and i I think it does show uh a commitment to improving that defensive line and again you certainly feel really good about any saints defend like defenders because of the nielsen connection like nielsen's not bringing in the guys that were were slacking off or or were you know, problems in the locker room or anything like that. Like he would know better than anyone to be like, okay, these are the guys we need to get. And these are the ones that maybe are overrated or people, you know, that sort of thing. Like the guys that the Falcons went after with Nielsen's blessing, I think are the ones that we should expect to, to hit. Uh, it, this is, you know, it, it's sort of like a cheat code, right? It's like, oh yeah, normally when you're signing a free agent, maybe you have some tangential connection through your history or whatever, but you, it's rare that you literally have their coach from the previous season uh, on, on, on your staff as your defensive coordinator to make that happen. So um, got to take advantage of it. The Falcons certainly have. Um, yeah. Adnan as well. Uh, who, who would you like to, uh, to highlight? We still got, still got several. <laughs> we still I, got know, two, so. I know we've been waiting to talk about Taylor Heineke the entire time. No, <laughs> yes. No. I'm actually, I will actually bring up Jesse Bates. Like I, I know that the chat is waiting for us to talk about Jesse Bates. You can leave Taylor Heineke for me. He's mine. So yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like Cade Nellis is you know underrated. Anyamad is good, but it's like you know. And thank you guys for leaving Jesse Bates for me. Um, you know, you guys are princes for sure. Um, yeah, absolute. This is the guy we were talking about ad nauseum. You know, since since the season ended, uh, Bates was a prospective free agent. Um, we had that dinner, the speculation of him having the dinner with Pitts, uh, Casey Hayward and AJ Terrell. And how often does it happen that it's a guy that the fan base really circles, the fan base really wants. And they were probably in Dave's mentions, uh, you know, all off season, you know, Dave, you can confirm or, or deny here talking about, we, we need Jesse Bates. We need to sign Jesse Bates. We need, you know, Dave can tweet something random out and, you know, it's, oh no, what about Dave? What about Jesse Bates? And how often does it happen that it, it works out exactly like that? Um, with In the first day, after a few hours, I was, I've gotten so used to hoping for something and then just having that like, you know, Woj bomb or the Ian Rappaport bomb or like whatever. And like, you know, across various sports, just, you know, I was bracing myself to, for that, oh, Jesse Bates is signing with the Cleveland Browns or something. But no, like he signed with us. He signed with the Falcons. The contract is very, very manageable. Like I did not think that he would sign for that little, uh, fourteen million dollars a year. It's it's not nothing. It's not a chump change. But you know, for a safety who was an All Pro to go into his prime and to hit the open market, you definitely expect him to get around the higher end of the spectrum, around what Derwin James 
got with uh, with the Chargers. $14 million, that slots him in as the fourth highest paid safety in the NFL, like uh, on annual average. And it, he could go down to fifth, depending on what uh, Gardner Johnson gets. Um, Bates is the biggest free agent signing that the Falcons have had since Alex Mack, without any question. Um, he is someone that I think will stabilize Atlanta's secondary the way that Alex Mack stabilized Atlanta's offensive line after that really like grotesque 2015 where we had to watch that terrible center play. Not saying that Jalen Hawkins was as bad as Mike Purse in the center, but Bates is definitely an upgrade. And Hawkins is a, more than a fine backup safety. Um, Bates is someone where it will be that residual effect. And I'm pretty sure you can ask any secondary player in Cincinnati or any Cincinnati Bengals fan that he is someone that will make the lives of everyone around him easier. Richie Grant in particular. Grant is can now be moved around. He can probably be moved a bit closer to the line of scrimmage on some certain plays, which is, I think, more of his strength. Uh, A.J. Terrell, for example, you know, it's it's easier to cover when you know that you have a Pro Bowl safety having your back, like right next to you. Um, Bates is 26. Uh, his run defense grade was actually really elite, according to PFF last year. Um, but he is a ball hawk. His ball hawking percentage, uh, according to ESPN, was, I think, third among all safeties. Um, and, I mean, this is just – this is the signing. This is the crown jewel for the Atlanta Falcons. And this is someone that will he's, – he's a game changer all by himself on defense. And it's it's just uh, it just feels good to be able to get a huge fish like this. It feels good to be able to be excited about someone like this. And you know the rumors are that they're front loading his contract, twenty three million dollars this year, which I think could be even smart. Uh, it shows that Fontenot's really looking forward, uh, looking ahead. He's not he's not looking to blow everything like this off season and he's going all in this off season, the way the saints do with Mickey Loomis every off season. So, you know, I think it's smart to front load that contract and, you know, 14 mil, like I did not think that he would sign for that cheap. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a hell of a move by Fontenot. My, I tip my cap to him on that one. Yeah, no, it's, it's a really fun one and it is definitely the, the premier signing. So, I'll make sure everybody has an opportunity to talk about this one. I don't I don't feel like I need to say too much because I feel like we talked about Jesse Bates like so much on this show like prior to the signing. So you guys should be well aware of of how I stand on on Bates and how I think that he just makes the whole secondary so much better and and gives everyone else in that secondary a lot more leeway to take chances to play more aggressively uh because they know that they've got an eraser behind them like Jesse Bates. So um Big excited about that one. Like like Godnon said, it really it is really nice to have the team get to, for us to like project a big ticket free agent is is like that's one thing. For them to like get a big ticket free agent is another, and then for them to get the one that we projected is like I don't feel like that's happened in many many years. So uh, maybe Fontenot likes to show, or or we're just vibing on some deeper level because it, it, this was not the only signing that. Uh, we, we agreed on apparently. Um, so I definitely, uh, approve of the signing. It's really exciting. Can't wait to, uh, to see and hear more from Jesse Bates over the coming, you know, weeks, months, whatever. But, uh, Dave, I'll, I'll let you get the next, the next crack here. I know, uh, 
you're excited about this one as well. Yeah, and, and to kind of circle back to what Adnan was saying a little while ago, um, you know, of course, Falcons fans since January, maybe even since December, you know, have been saying Bates, you know, Payne was my number one guy and that quickly became not a thing, but Bates was the logical, like, number two, right? Um, just a chance to really upgrade your secondary to provide the level of safety play that I, I think um, Ryan Nielsen's accustomed to from his days in New Orleans. That's certainly something that they've had as a strength over the years. So um, just a, a a logical signing. Everybody wanted it and it actually happened, which of course never happens. So that's a great thing all on its own. Um, I, I do think it's interesting how Bates fits into the whole piece here, which I think is going to be, you know, if they draft a, a Devin Weatherspoon or a Christian Gonzalez at number eight, which I think is a legitimate possibility, if they use some of their remaining cap space um, on getting an Isaiah Oliver replacement, they feel good about um, for nickel corner, you know, or, you know, using Casey Hayward, if they keep him more in different roles, whatever it may be, I, I think the idea here is, you know, cultivate a potentially elite secondary, which is something that you know, Falcons haven't had for a little bit, um, would be very nice to have, and then have one hell of a pass rush up the middle um, until you can figure out that edge rushing piece that has eluded the Falcons seemingly for, for decades now. And I think it's a good plan. And I think, you know, Bates, um, Ellis, and Onyemata are all kind of, of a piece, which is here's where we're going to be strongest is, you know, right up the middle. Or we're going to do our best work uh, in the middle of the field. And I think that's something that the Falcons – haven't been able to say for a very long time. So it's very difficult not to to like these signings, but I think with Bates, it's like a slam dunk that, you know, so long as he's he's healthy and out there, he's going to be a force for good. And with Terrell, with, um, you know, Grant on the rise, with potentially another elite young corner coming in, this secondary is going to be a lot of fun to watch. So just, you know, I, I was waiting for that notification to come in. I was nervous it wasn't, like Adnan said, maybe the Browns were going to scoop him up or something. So huge relief to see it go wire to wire from like, hey, this guy would be great for the Falcons too. Here he is. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, Just to touch on Dave's point about yeah, the go for durability, he has missed three games in five seasons. Yes. So you would definitely knock on wood, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yes, that's, um, that's my standard disclaimer. I say it every yes. time. Every no, no, time. You're, you're correct. You're correct. But durability does play a part. In it does. Any of these yeah. signings. Like you do want players who have been healthy and who have that proven track record of health. Yeah. Yeah. Alan, you, you want to uh, wax poetic about the, the Jesse Bates signing as well? Yeah. Cause I'm thrilled about it. He's been on my wish list for a bit. Just you want to have that organizer, that communicator. Like we talked about a couple of years ago, where Carlo Allen was that player, just that knew how to organize the defense, get players in their spots pre-snap, and just be that vocal presence that they Jesse Bates is that player. Like the Bengals defense was largely forgotten about for years. They were a pretty anemic unit. And all of a sudden, even though they didn't have that star power, they were slowly becoming a top ten unit where just Bengals defense was just organized. It made teams work for yards. You weren't going to get explosive plays on them. And then they would create turnovers here and there. It's me, besides maybe Trey Hendrickson, the reason why the Bengals defense emerged under Lou Amarillo was because of Jesse Bates. So just to have that leader is so valuable, especially for a defense that's, you know, rebuilding themselves. I know Gray Jarrett's a leader, but, you know, someone on the back end is just keep guys organized. And we saw plays get behind the Falcons secondary quite a bit last year. You know, 
whether it was the Bengals, Panthers, Saints games. So just having him there, like even if he doesn't have the interceptions that he once did, say like back in 2020, it's just making sure you provide those big plays and you know make sure that everything's on point when it comes to run defending, you know, closing down those gaps and you know, those open field tackles. It's just you just want someone that can clean up potential disasters while having that playmaking ability. And given the level of quarterback play in the MC South, we hope that you know opportunities will be there to produce turnovers. So absolutely yeah. thrilled with the signing. And uh, you know, we're, we're glad it finally happened because I just feel like this defense desperately needed a leader on the back end. Yeah, no, it, it, it's it's so good for so many reasons. And I think it it does maybe help give us some a clue to maybe where they're planning to put their their chips at least to start off this defensive rebuild which is to maybe let's let's get the secondary where it needs to be it's a lot closer um and we'll sort of go to the front seven you know they're not going to neglect it necessarily but maybe they'll they'll make a concerted effort to fix one unit at a time instead of trying to do scatter shot a couple of guys here a couple of guys there um because i think the secondary is a lot closer and um, there will, I'll definitely touch on that more when we answer some of these, uh, chat questions, uh, and, and donation questions. We're going to do that just towards the end. So if you guys, uh, we, Bill Vats and, and Noah, I got you guys questions. We're, we're definitely going to get to those and anybody else will, will get to yours as well. But I just wanted to make sure we got through the signings before we got derailed by too much draft talk or anything like that. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely got those guys. So, so just, uh, stay tuned. Um, yeah, we could talk about Bates probably a whole show, and I probably will do a whole show, whole show, a uh, whole show on Bates at some point. But um, let's move forward. Camera's all blurry. There we go. Uh, let's move forward with the next signing. This is my choice, dealer's choice now. Um, so I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna touch on Taylor Heineke, of course, because he's he's my guy, right? Um, Cracking bottles. Yeah. Uh, so it. No, Taylor Heineke, I just think he makes so much sense for, uh, for the Falcons in a lot of different ways. Um, he he fits he fits Arthur Smith's scheme a lot better than he fit the commander's scheme. Um, he's a guy that is very athletic, is not afraid to use his legs. He loves to, to throw shots off play action. Um, he's sort of like the... He's not the opposite of Marcus Mariota because you'd think the opposite of Marcus Mariota would be like unathletic. So he's like, he's like the opposite of Marcus Mariota like mentally in that Mariota was very risk averse and very careful with the football sometimes to a fault and like Heineke is definitely the opposite where he loves to chuck it deep he loves to take chances with the ball he loves to to put it out there and sometimes it works great sometimes he turns the ball over um it's definitely fun to watch you know I think uh, that's why he was very popular with commanders fans was like look we may not be winning a lot of games but at least Heineke's fun and he is so Definitely appreciate that aspect, but I, I think he is a, an experienced veteran. He's not really that old either. He's, he's 28, so he's, he certainly has a lot left in the tank and um, is a guy that's been comfortable being a backup but can start if needed. Uh, I think he can provide a lot of veteran uh, mentor, mentoring to, to Desmond Ritter, um, but I think he also is like enough of a presence to sort of push Ritter um, in like a constructive way, but I don't think he's really going to threaten the starting job unless Ritter really struggles um, or Heineke just has like it's some kind of crazy good offseason. But, you know, this this also brings into question, you know, like the larger thoughts on the team's quarterback plans. And right now with this signing, it does seem like the plan is Ritter 
with Heineke as the veteran backup, and I would be surprised if they added another significant addition at quarterback. But that's something that you guys can touch on as well. Does anybody else want to touch on Heineke? Well, he uh, he does have the Gwinnett, or he did set the Gwinnett County single season record with the forty two hundred passing yards his senior year, and he had forty four touchdowns that year. So, uh, you know, Collins Hill legend Taylor Heineke, Gwinnett County legend Taylor Heineke. Um, yeah, I didn't think I'd uh, I'd reach back to the high school stats in this. <laughs> I did. I didn't have those ready to go, so I'm I'm glad you did. <laughs> but um. It's a it's a low risk signing, honestly. Like you look at the way they structured his contract, five million dollar cap hit this year. Um, if they want to part ways with him, it's the same way as they structured the Mar- Mariota contract. First year is fully guaranteed, obviously. Second year is almost none of it's guaranteed. Next year it'll go up to a nine million dollar cap hit, two million dollar dead cap. Uh, you essentially. If you get rid of him after this year, you've essentially only lost $7 million total over two years, which is not very much. Um, but he's a high-end backup. Like, he is someone that is one of the better backups in the NFL. And his in the over the past two seasons, Heineke has played in, what, 23, 24 games? He started 23, 24 games for various reasons, injuries to the starters in front of him. Last season, Carson Wentz got benched in favor of Heineke after he got hurt. Even after he was healthy, the commanders decided to stick with Heineke because, you know, he was giving them more than Wentz was. Um, he has a 12-11-1 record as a starter, which is, you know, right at just above 500. He beat the Falcons twice. Like, he beat the shit out of the Falcons twice, actually. Um, and a lot of it is incentives laden. So he has up to $6 million in incentives over the life of the contract. Uh, this, I think this will be one of those, this will be a quarterback competition in camp. It's not, uh, it's not a given that Desmond Ritter is going to be the starter guaranteed. Uh, Desmond Ritter is the heavy favorite and, you know, this regime has as much incentive as possible for Desmond Ritter to be their starter. But if Ritter struggles uh, throughout the season or in training camp, if Ritter gets hurt, then Heineke is someone that can come in and just sort of keep the train on the tracks, so to speak. You know, it's not like you're not putting all of your eggs in, in the Ritter basket. Like Heineke can come in and give you proficient game management at the very least, which yeah. I mean, in this division that. That could be all you need. <laughs> that might be enough. Yeah. I think he's like Marcus Mariota, but a better fit for what the Falcons are trying to do. Like with, with their current personnel, you know, we'll see if they make any other moves in terms of the receiving core. But, you know, Marcus Mariota was just a terrible fit with Kyle Pitts, who should be a featured part of your offense. And Taylor Heineke, I think, is not going to hesitate to chuck that ball down to Kyle Pitts. He's down there somewhere, right? Um, I think that's that's Heineke's uh, MO. So, um, definitely excited to see that. Anybody else have thoughts on on that one before we move on? Uh, just that it, you know the structure is interesting, and I, I think it it sets the Falcons up with some flexibility next year. So, like if Ritter is to your guy, um, he excels this year, which is you know the ideal best case scenario. Um, then you have a, a backup under contract for pretty reasonable dollars, who's you know again a pretty decent fit for your offense. 
skilled enough to make multiple starts if you need him to um if Ritter really isn't that guy um but you still like him as a backup then it's pretty easy to move on from Heineke and, and go ahead and get your next guy as a starter so it is like from a contract standpoint they're in good shape there and then you know while I may have preferred Brissett um for one reason or another um I do think that he's a solid signing um and if he has to start games which Again, hopefully that's not the case because Ritter is healthy. Ritter is playing really good football. Um, you you trust that he can keep you in games and win some for you. So that that is a plus. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's really a best of both worlds thing where also like, and we're going to have a, a more wide ranging conversation with this on a future show. We can't really touch on it too much tonight because there's like so many signings to get to, but like the team's plans at quarterback are something that I think we have better insight into now with this signing and with their you know seeming commitment to at least giving Desmond Ritter as much of a chance as possible to to start for a year um and we'll talk about that but I think also the way this contract is set up you know sort of leads to the next part of that conversation which is you know in 2024 if Desmond Ritter's not it you know what do they do then and the answer is they have a lot of flexibility so we'll definitely talk more about that on a future show because it's a big big thing to get to but uh got a lot of other moves to talk about i feel like last year we would like at this point would have been like okay well we talked about a couple of re-signings and you know uh uh you know lorenzo carter uh and uh that's it you know no no shade intended to lorenzo carter but uh just uh, that was pretty much all that we had like all all off season so um yeah let's uh let's move on let's talk about the trade next um the trade for john U. smith the tight end uh most recently with the Patriots, but before that, uh, made famous by Arthur Smith, where he, I think, scored eight touchdowns, had almost 500 yards as sort of a part-time player with the Titans. Um, sort of a, a unique tight end, sort of like a shorter tight end, H-back sort of guy. Um, the type of guy that just screams Arthur Smith, really. Arthur Smith loves his his short kings at tight end, you know. And by short, I mean like 6'3". Uh, so <laughs> short in the context of NFL tight ends only they're, they're still, you know, very tall lads, but, um, yeah, uh, I love it. It was just a seventh round pick, obviously the financials it's expensive contract. That's why they were able to get him so cheap, but, um, it's nice when you have money because you can take on players that are expensive, uh, for very little compensation, as long as you're willing to pay the money. And I think, uh, I think he's more valuable to the Falcons probably than any other team. I really do like the move, but didn't anyone else have uh, thoughts on, on the John U. Smith trade? That was one of the more surprising moves. I think. It just comes down to formation flexibility, just having that other weapon. Cause we do know the Falcons have to enhance their supporting cast a little bit, given that, you know, once Pitts went down, it was kind of very much one dimensional to Drake London. So the fact that you now have this tight end who can block, who can be used as a receiver, maybe it'll help get pits more outside or even more in the slot. It's just creating mismatches. And I think that's what Arthur Smith, one of his biggest specialties is. And you also could devise a couple of funky plays. Like we saw John Smith run a couple of rounds. I even saw a highlight where they ran a toss design for him and he took it for like 30 yards. So can we get a drive of like Cordell Patterson and, John Smith just run the ball four times each. Let's just get wild. Like yeah. it's just that's the type of versatility you kept with him, man. Just for a seventh round pick, why not? Because look at the end of the day, like the statistics, that Patriots offense was a total disaster. I didn't think it was even that good in 2021, but we know this year it was a disaster. So I think a large part of his 
lack of production just came from being a poor scheme fit and just the Patriots being totally unimaginative offensively. So absolute home run this move. You know, I, I think he, his his impact will be felt more off the stat sheet than on the stat sheet. I think you get a couple of splash plays here and there, but for most part, I think just creating mismatches, blocking, and a couple key third down conversions. And of course, let's not forget the red zone. Like yeah. I don't know if you guys remember the Titans Ravens playoff game where the Titans upset them. John Smith had a tremendous touchdown catch on the first drive where Tenno threw a nice dime to him and he got both feet down. You know, like that contested catch ability, it's it's valuable in Arthur Smith's offense. So absolutely love this move. Yeah. No, I'm a big fan of it as well. And you're right. Like that last season with Arthur Smith, eight touchdowns. Like he he had less than five hundred yards. I think he had like four hundred and eighty three. So it wasn't like he there was any slouching there, but it was like eight touchdowns. So this was a guy that was getting those touchdowns and, and was a red zone weapon. And that's some, in some ways that's more valuable than just the raw yardage. Cause I think the Falcons have some yardage guys. Uh, they don't necessarily need every single guy to be like, Oh, this is a guy that's going to get 800 yards. It's like, maybe we need some guys that are going to get eight touchdowns, you know, <laughs> get, get some more red zone productivity going. But uh, yeah. Anyone else got uh John who Smith takes? Yeah. Was, uh, yeah I was just going to say, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. David's your um, website. I was just going to say. <laughs> That's your website, yeah. Um, I was just going to say that, you know, on the red zone piece, we saw um, Pruitt, you know, Michael Pruitt just last year kind of excel as a weapon um, in the red zone for the Falcons out of nowhere. And he's still a player I'd like to see come back if they're they're willing and able to do that because I think he does a lot of things well. But, you know, I, I think the way to think of it is, you know, they were able to – turn Pruitt out of nowhere into a guy who was useful in those kinds of scenarios. Now replace him with, with Smith, who is a guy that Arthur Smith is familiar with, has used effectively before for a couple of full seasons um, when he was running the Titans offense and, and try to imagine what that might look like. So I, I think the Falcons are not a, a finished product on offense. I think their wide receiver depth chart is, is a little bit alarming, even if they end up moving guys around, but I think Smith is is a huge help for them in terms of what they're going to be able to do um, when they're g- getting ready to score, which is is something that they've needed to get better at doing for a long time. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, yeah, and then uh, please please go ahead, Adnan, for for deferring to the boss man. Good move. Well, you know, I I, I know how to look out for myself. <laughs> um, no, uh, John New Smith in his six-year career, his two best seasons came in 2019 and 2020 when Arthur Smith, you know, was his offensive coordinator. Um, well, Arthur Smith was pretty much the coach of that entire Titans offense because Mike Brabel focused on the defense more so. But, yeah, Smith was, you know, 11 touchdowns over the course of those two years, had over 400 receiving yards in each season. Um, he'll be a, an upgrade in that, second tight end position in that pure tight end position, let's say over Ferkser and Michael Pruitt last year. Um, I think that, as Alan said, this will free Kyle Pitts up a bit more to, you know, go, we'll probably see Kyle Pitts more in that X receiver role than anything else this season, um, where he can really, you know, make use of his athleticism and catching prowess. But yeah, John U. Smith, like that, Titans offense was really, really successful those couple seasons. They were a, a playoff team. They were a team that won, won some games in the playoffs with John U. Smith as the primary tight end. And now John U. Smith comes in Arthur Smith's scheme where 
which he knows like the back of his hand. And he's now the secondary tight end behind, you know, what we hope is a generational tight end with our, with our Kyle Pitts. So I think, I think Arthur Smith was really, you know, lick, licking his chops at the prospect of reuniting with Smith. Uh, the contract is, you know, it, it's not amazing for the team because um, the Patriots really overpaid him. Uh, I don't know what they were thinking on that one, but he's going to restructure. Uh, I think that that the cap hit will go from like around 11 million, which is what it was originally for the Falcons. I'd imagine it'll go down to like seven. Um, yeah. Uh, next, that that'll add some dead cap next year. I don't, unless he has a really spectacular year, I think they probably will try to renegotiate his deal either way next year because it'll be a $12 million cap hit. As of now, it's no dead cap, but after the restructure, it'll probably be a couple million. So, you know, this is another, another low-risk, moderate-reward move in that you paid a seventh rounder, which is, you know, you had three of them this year. Uh, I don't think that they were even interested in making all of those picks either way in the seventh round. And you got a guy who should be an immediate contributor and who had, you know, his best uh, time in the NFL with your active head coach. Um, you got him on essentially, you know, that one-year deal uh, if you want it. And if he plays really, really well, you still have him locked in for next year. And then you can maybe even talk about maybe an extension and possibly, uh, you know, lowering that $12 million cap. But either way, I don't think that they're planning on paying him $12 million next year. No, can, no. Can I mention two things? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Uh, one thing, let's also keep in mind, they turned the Dean Marlowe trade to John Smith, which I think is really nice business. <laughs> yeah, that was that seventh round that they got from Marlowe from yeah. the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty sweet. And be on the lookout for screens. And I know screens have been kind of not been all that successful in Atlanta, especially I'm getting bad flashbacks to seeing Hayden Hurst try to you know, design screens from Dirk Cutter to Hayden Hurst, which always seemed to be underwhelming. So I'm looking forward to seeing more screens because that's one thing Tennessee really utilized with John Smith. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I, I, I'm definitely in agreement there. I think Arthur Smith is one of those guys that's willing to do weird stuff, especially with his tight ends. He's obsessed with that. So, yeah, I'm expecting to see some crazy stuff with Johnny Smith. I think it'll be fun. Um, and we've already seen it work uh, in Tennessee. So I, I'm pretty excited about that one. I think it's – they just need – the Falcons really need to get more receiving targets. Um, and I tried to stress in earlier shows that it doesn't necessarily have to be wide receivers. Obviously, they still need some. But – Maybe it could be tight ends, you know, it, it could be pass catching running backs like a quarter Patterson, whatever, but they needed to get better receiving targets for this offense. And I think Johnny Smith adds a really good one for, you know, a seventh round, a seventh round pick and, and 7 million, which isn't nothing, but he has experience in the scheme. Arthur Smith has used him well in the past. Um, pretty excited about that one. Um, yeah, and then the last major signing to talk about tonight, probably the last one we'll get to. I mean, there were more re-signings and other things, uh, but we definitely need to talk about Caleb McGarry because that, that was the most, uh, recent one that came in. Caleb McGarry re-signed with the Falcons, uh, I think it was late yesterday, um, for 11 and a half million a year, which is drastically lower than I think anyone was predicting on a three-year deal. 
Um, and I think after we heard the news that he wasn't getting tagged, sort of the, the tenor changed to, oh, well, they are probably going to let him test the market. I don't know what happened. I don't know if the market was not as robust as everyone was expecting. I mean, I think Spotrack had his market value at like 16 and a half million. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's odd that he signed for so little. Maybe he just wanted to stay in Atlanta. Um, maybe, you know, who knows, but I'm certainly happy to have him back at that price, especially to have the offensive line continuity. He's really durable. Obviously he's a great run blocker and maybe he can continue to get better as a pass protector. I mean, he's been on that upward trajectory. So, um, yeah, who, anybody else want to talk about uh, the return of, uh, Caleb McGarry or Magoo or whatever it was Dave was sending in the chat last night? I mean, you get the risks, (laughs) McGarry, like for sure. Uh, last season was his breakout year. You're always apprehensive when a guy was, you know, struggled as much as he did his first three years. And then out of nowhere, he just had, he just explodes. And last year, the uh, scheme fit was, you know, completely tailored to his strengths or Atlanta's scheme overall in running the ball more than half the time. He's a much better run blocker than pass blocker. Um, His pass blocking is still a question, but still had an overall PFF grade of 86.6, which is, you know, elite. But to get him for that cheap of a price is, has to be considered a bargain because you look at what the other high-end tackles got, uh, you know, going into free agency, it was Juwan Taylor, Mike McGlinchey, Caleb McGarry, and Orlando Brown as the, the top guys. And, you know, Brown is still unsigned. But Jawan Taylor got four years, $80 million, $20 million um, average. Mike McGlinchey, five years, $87.5 million. Um, McGlinchey's 29 years old, uh, and he's making $17.5 million, $52.5 million guaranteed. Taylor got $60 million guaranteed. So this is another case of the Falcons getting McGarry for less total than what his, you know, competitors on the market and the guys who were considered to be in his tier got just guaranteed. Um, and I, I would say bang for your buck. Like this was a hell of a deal. And the Falcons will absolutely mitigate that that risk uh, about, you know, if McGarry was a one and done, if he was just really good last year because of the scheme and he doesn't improve or if he regresses, then I'm pretty sure the last year of that contract, we haven't seen how it's structured, but I'm pretty sure it'll be mostly unguaranteed. Um, and to get him at, at that cheap, like Spotrack projected him at making $17.5 million. I wasn't com- personally comfortable with him making that much, uh, especially not long-term, but the three-year deal also mitigates that risk a little bit. And, you know, there if you told me, that you would get him back at that price, I wouldn't believe you because I thought there was no way that they were going to, you know, get him for anything less than at least $15 million, especially after Taylor's contract. But this shows, you know, a hell of a job by Fontenot to be patient, to not, you know, panic tag him, panic franchise tag him, uh, and to really, you know, sort of, use your leverage here because the Falcons didn't have to retain McGarry. Uh, if it, you know, would have sucked if they didn't, but you could have easily gone into the draft and sure tackle would have been 
your top need, but you could have easily gone and at pick number eight replaced him with uh, a tackle uh, from the draft. And instead, you know, you let the market work itself out. You didn't give him that $18 million franchise tag and you ended up retaining him for, you know, a very, very reasonable rate. And now the Falcons, I think, are one step closer, one massive step closer to being able to go straight BPA in the draft. Yeah. No, and I think it makes a lot of sense from that angle. Like they they have said in press conferences for years that they want to fill needs in free agency and target BPA in the draft. And this signing definitely uh, is is another step towards that by not creating a massive hole at tackle uh, by not re-signing McGarry. So yeah, absolutely. You're on onto it there. Um, real quick, cause a lot of people have asked about it. We, we won't really know what the, what the remaining cap space is for like a couple days. Um, over the cap is not updated. I know they still say they have like 44 million, but it's lower than that. A lot lower. It's probably less than 20 now. Um, I don't know what it is. Like I, I've been on vacation, so I haven't manually input the deals myself. Maybe I could have told you if I did all that work, but over the cap will update when they get the official actual contracts, um, which takes a few days. So check back maybe like Friday on over the cap or Spotrack or whatever, and you'll get a better idea of how much money they actually have. But um, we're not really going to know for sure for a couple days. So uh, just letting you guys know that's why you're not getting a firm number from anyone because we don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, it could be $9 million. It, it could be different. I don't think anyone has the actual numbers at this point. Um, so, yeah, anybody else want to touch on the uh, re-signing of Caleb McGarry before we uh, tackle a few questions here? No, I just kind of second what, what you guys have said is it's it's a hell of a deal. Um it's certainly a better deal than I would have expected them to get after not tagging him after getting this close to the, the opening salvo of free agency. So kudos to them. And, and I think, you know, even if he falls back to earth a little bit this year, um, the thing that he does best run blocking is something that, you know, he's fairly consistently done well. Um, he should continue to be an asset there. And so long as he doesn't get uh, Desmond Ritter killed, um, I, I think it's a good signing. Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> I, I hope he can continue to improve as a pass protector. And that's what he's done each of the last two years. So I'm hopeful. And to be fair to, to Caleb McGarry and all offensive linemen, improving and, and hitting your stride towards the end of your rookie contract is not unusual. Um, like it, it commonly happens. It's always nerve wracking when it happens right before a contract gets given out, but it's not it's not that weird. Um, this is a position group that does typically take time to mature to, to reach that full potential. So it doesn't surprise me or alarm me that much. But again, if we were talking about like 18 million, 17 million a year, which I think was what we were expecting, it's, that's a huge risk, but at three years, 11.5 per, I mean, it's very fair. Um, and I would even say team friendly at this point. Um, so I have no complaints whatsoever at that price. Um, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's tackle a couple questions here. We got uh, Vil Vats with the $5. Thanks so much, man. Really appreciate that. Uh, he says, with all the free agent moves that have been made so far, who would you target in the first round if you were the Falcons? 
Um, yeah, I almost like blurted this out earlier, but yeah, I mean, right now I think it's probably Christian Gonzalez for me. I do think he's more likely to be there after the Lions signed Emmanuel Mosley. I mean, that doesn't necessarily lock them out of targeting a corner high, but, um, I think the Lions are probably hoping to get J- uh, to get Jalen Carter or Tyree Wilson, uh, whoever falls. Um, I think Seattle will probably take one of those two. So, um, and I think that's why they went and spent big on a corner. Uh, so with the, the Falcons seemingly keeping Casey Hayward, which I think is a little bit of a surprise. Um, I think maybe Casey Hayward is who they want to play the slot and that they're going to go get, you know, uh, Christian Gonzalez at eight. Um, it could also be, you know, Bijan Robinson, of course. So, <laughs> but uh, who do you guys, you guys have any, uh, have your, have your thoughts changed on who you want to take uh, at the top of the, the first round for the Falcons at this point? Anyone? Well, if uh, they changed from a couple days ago because, you know, I assumed after seeing McGlinchey and Taylor's contracts that we weren't going to retain McGarry. So I was, you know, preparing myself for Broderick Jones or Paris Campbell to, uh, you know, cover that right tackle hole because it was either, you know, you take one of those guys or you go into next season with, Jermaine Effetti as your right tackle or one of these other cheaper options. Um, but right now I'm sort of more, so, I mean, Gonzalez is a really good one. I'm right now I'd shift more towards Skoronsky. Uh He is arguably the best offensive lineman in the draft and you still have that hole at left guard. And I think that, you know, he, he will be able to fill that hole hopefully for the next decade if you take him. And he would be, you know, he would give you hopefully eventually the best guard tandem in the NFL between him and Chris Lindstrom. Plus you sign a center. I know one of the questions will be about uh, further free agent signing. So I'll I'll leave it alone for that question. But you have a chance to really build, you know, a super elite, a top five offensive line immediately next season. Yeah, and it would give you a cheap left guard that's potentially an elite player and we also know they don't care about positional value so that would check out as well from that front but uh yeah anybody else have anything they want to add on on that particular question or i think i don't know but well, Bronsky. yeah could be for sure they, i know they were interested they met with him at the combine for sure so yeah go ahead dave sorry no don't need to be sorry no i was just gonna say i think uh you know give me the top corner or the top edge rusher on the board, if it's a guy you really like. Um, I think the Falcons may go through free agency without addressing either of those in major fashion. And and I think that's that's pretty telling if that's the case. So I, I hope it's one of those guys. I, you know, Wilson, Gonzalez, uh, just either one would make me happy. There are other guys that would make me happy too. But um, if you're going to lock in on a position of player, I think that's where I'd go. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Next question we have from Noah Cook with the $10. Thanks so much, Noah. Appreciate that, man. He says, what a time to be alive. All I want now is Darius Slay or DeAndre Hopkins. Anyone else you guys think we should target that would fit the scheme? Yeah, I mean, in the interest of making my top five free agents list correct, um, you know, I've, I've already missed on, I think, one. of, uh, But they've, they've signed two uh, of, of my top five. So if we could get Darius Slayton here, um, that would make it three. And I think that's 
pretty pretty awesome. Um, but I, I do think Darius Slayton would be a, a good value if he's even still out there. I have, honestly haven't paying, been paying that much attention. I, I think he is, but uh, but yeah, and, and Slayton or Slay, both are Darius's. Oh yeah, Slayton. Yes, I mean uh, Darius Slay, obviously, but yeah, Slayton. Yes, uh, both. I believe both are still out there. But uh, in terms of the uh, the wide receiver, uh, Darius Slay, ton. <laughs> now you're going to mess me up every time I say it, but yeah, no, that that's, I think a wide receiver would be good if they can get somebody like a Darius Slayton, um, without spending too much. But again, I don't know how much money they have left, so they may need to sort of, uh, keep it in the bag for now, uh, for the draft and, you know, training camp and whatnot. But, um, yeah, we'll see. But yeah, any of you, anyone else have uh free agents that they're, they're hoping to, to sign here with the, the last bit of money that they have, or maybe a lot of money that they have, depending. Not really sure. You know who's available that I'm really surprised that I don't think I've seen one team link with him is uh, Isaac Sumalo, who I thought was a huge asset to what the Eagles put together on the offensive line. Like, his run blocking was unreal. Like, the the holes that he was creating. And now, Grant, look, I know he's alongside – Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, but you, know, you want to talk about a tone setter, a mauler, someone that has that positional versatility too. Even though he played right guard this previous season, he's played left guard in the past. So I think he's going to cost a lot. Maybe he's kind of going through the Kelvin Gary experience, which is kind of hilarious to say, where his value isn't as high maybe because he's a little older and he was a part of such a dominant offensive line. But you just want a pure mauler, someone that could do serious damage in a run game and hold his own in pass protection. I would love to see him involved. I know I just said Skaronsky, but when it comes to premium free agents left, like I think Slay's a pipe dream. I think DJ Chark would be cool, but someone I think could still make a huge impact because you know you want to continue as solidity's offensive line. That's why I think bringing back McGarry at the price was a great move because his chemistry with Chris Lindstrom, you could just tell, uh, especially on run plays, they were just they were so on point, especially with those pin and pulls. So I thought they could get free agent and the price is right. His eggs tomorrow, bring home. And his hair, like, you know, like that hair is just incredible. It would be. Yeah. That adds at least $2 million to the contract price, well, I think. No. How do you no. think Paul Soli I got paid that much? Exactly. That's, yeah. That's why Dave's so underpaid. <laughs> oh, got him. Man, that was, that was double. Yeah, that was, wow. Double damage. Yeah, you really it. buried him there. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm so sorry, dude. <laughs> It's just right there. Just a Wednesday night, I'm minding my business, man. Just, Dave just catching strays in the chat. Yeah. Um, but, but sticking with the uh, with the free agency theme, one guy that I'm shocked that the Falcons haven't even signed by now is Ben Jones, uh, right. yeah. the former Titans center. Like, this is a guy who absolutely knows Arthur Smith. Like, this is a guy who had a lot of success with Arthur Smith in Tennessee. He's older. Yeah, he's, what, 33? I don't care. Like, he's someone who I think will be able to come in and, you know, give you two solid years of legitimate starter play. And I think that's that would be an upgrade over what we've gotten with Hennessy and Dahlman. We gave Hennessy and Dahlman, you know, the full opportunity last year, and I think they more so disappointed. Uh, but, yeah, like, Ben Jones, like, what – I was fully I fully woke up today expecting the Falcons to sign Ben Jones today. And, you know, I'm kind of shocked. Like, no team has been linked with him either. Apparently, the market for centers is very – is a lot lower than expected. So, I'm pretty sure you could get him for a lot cheaper than expected as well. Um, 
he'd certainly be cheaper than, than the McGarry deal that McGarry just signed. So, you know, that's someone where it can be a, a very affordable free agent that can really help solidify the offensive line. And, you know, if we go the route of signing Ben Jones and if we go the route of drafting Skoronsky, you're talking about potentially five-plus starters, including arguably the best guard in the NFL and Chris Lindstrom. And you're, I think I think that would constitute a top three offensive line in the NFL. And what you know, what better asset for Desmond Ritter in his you know first full year as a starter than to give him that kind of offensive line, the same way that you gave Matt Ryan that kind of offensive line way back in two thousand eight. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, all right, I got to oh, go ahead. Yeah, I got to throw out my favorite. Yeah, yeah. Real quick, it. I was I was going to say Shark as well, but I I also have to say, um, Justin Houston, right? Oh yeah. Um, you got a young outside linebacker group. You're probably not going to get a super expensive top guy. Why not bring in a really experienced veteran who can help out your young guys, uh, who still has it, still a great pass rusher, and most importantly, would finally, um, you know, sort of avenge me because I've wanted him ever since he came out in the draft. So, yeah. There you go. That's not hope for any social media post that they just miss out again. That was uh, not <laughs> ideal. You remember that from a few years ago. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I've yeah. done that a couple of times over the years. <laughs> yeah. The clowny one? What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the clown. Yeah. That one was that, the best if, one. If he's done, that would also uh, yeah. get to boast about oh, that. Man. Oh, man. Really I forgot he's available. <laughs> <laughs> we should be on Corey Davis watch if he yeah, gets sure. like, similar to Ben Jones. I think Corey Davis would be a good fit, good low yeah. risk, potential high reward signing. Yeah, I do wonder if they're waiting on yeah. on him to see if he gets released. Um, for sure, that makes a lot of sense. Um, we know someone that came out of the darkness doesn't particularly want him in the wide yeah, receiver. That's true. So. <laughs> but also, just to add to the point about the cap space, if the team really wanted more cap space, it can easily be done. I think they're trying to hold off on it, but uh, restructuring Matthews and Grady Jarrett, like that will get you a boatload of cap space. Um, So if they really have someone uh, that they agree to deal with that's very high end or, you know, someone that's really high on their wish list, they can easily go that route. And, you know, cap space right now isn't an issue. They They can always get more. Um, and I would say, I will say that I think they're trying to avoid that. I'm, I think they're trying to avoid kicking that can down the road. But if you do see a report that the Falcons are restructuring either of those contracts, then I would expect a report of a big signing to very closely follow that as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let me let me rapid fire some of, uh, some of these last ones here because we're already like nine minutes over. Um, we got Jason Gaines with the $2. What's up, Jason? Thanks so much, brother. Says, uh, great to see the Falcons take multiple starters away from that Ains defense. They can stay in cap hell. Oh, by the way, has Aaron Freeman moved into that penthouse suite near the water on uh, Caleb McGarry Island yet? I'm sure he's happy about that one. I'm sure he is. He was on he was on the uh, the McGarry Island train for like multiple years. So I'm I'm happy for him that that one eventually paid off. Um, we got Brandon with the one dollar. What do you think about grabbing Carl Brooks? Uh, for those that don't know, he's like the defensive lineman from Bowling Green, sort of like a day three type of guy, maybe higher depending on how much you like him. <laughs> Technically, he is already a Falcon. Yes, the Bowling Green Falcons, shout out. Um, yeah, I mean, I like Brooks as like a day three pick. Um, 
I, you know, I don't think he like super elevated his stock um, this draft season, but he's definitely an intriguing guy, sort of a unique body type. Um, so yeah, he's interesting. And then I know Jason, uh, this one, like j- this question already got sort of answered uh, because like uh, Alexander Madison did just re-sign with the Vikings, uh, but he was asking about signing former Vikings running back Alexander Madison. Um, so yeah, unfortunately he's already back. Um, he also asked about Isaac Sumalo, who we did just uh, discuss or bring back Wilkinson and Zacchaeus. Yeah. I mean, I would bring back Elijah Wilkinson if they don't add another like impact guy there. Um, I think that Wilkinson did a fine job. Um, actually sort of a better pass protector than run blocker, which was weird on the Falcons offensive line. But, um, I thought he was perfectly competent when he was healthy. And then, yeah, Zacchaeus, I mean, that one makes a lot of sense. Um, as long as it's not too expensive. Uh, so yeah, uh, uh, appreciate everyone's questions for sure. Uh, free agency is just beginning. We will be, sh- uh, be getting to a lot more of the re-signings and other signings, and I'm sure there'll be more over the next week when we come back uh, for another episode next week. But I do appreciate all you guys for tuning in. Uh, please like and subscribe if you haven't done so already. Leave us that five-star review if you listen to the podcast audio. Uh, and yeah, I want to thank all of tonight's wonderful co-hosts and guests, starting with the boss man, Dave Choate, at the Falcoholic himself. Dave, anything you'd like to plug? Uh, maybe hair plugs. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> man, sorry, Dave. I'm so sorry, Dave. I didn't, I didn't know he was going to do this. Yeah. You should. Uh, he doesn't want the show, so you should know, yeah. but, um, yeah, yeah. no, it, it's, uh, you know, I, I think we've it, gotten through the initial rush of free agency. So like, just look for us to kind of try to digest it from a big picture, see how closely this hues to what the Falcons have been saying about the way they're going to build their team. And, uh, I'm personally really excited to see the draft coverage, the, uh, the, the prospect profiles and so forth that I know you guys are cooking up um, in the coming weeks. So there'll be a, a lot of great stuff. It's an exciting time to be a Falcons fan for a change, which is great. So uh, just hope you stay tuned. Yeah. Yeah. It's very exciting uh, for agency for the first time in forever. So definitely uh, happy about that one. Also joining us tonight, Alan Stirk at Alan Stirk on the Twitters. Alan, how, uh, well, I already asked you how you were doing, but I would like to know if you have anything you'd like to plug. I definitely have a couple pieces coming soon. Obviously, we'll do something with free agency roundup. I'll also bring back the roundtable, get a couple of the writers on the site to put together a nice breakdown of some of the signings and re-signings. And yeah, I just I'm, I'm thrilled. You know, it's been a long time coming. Just wanting to see more talent on the roster, like players that they invested in, not undrafted free agents, and you know, the hopeful you know one year five million ideas. Like, okay, we got some major investments in now. Let's see what they're building. So, yes, fun times ahead in an NFC South division that's very action-packed this offseason. Like, I, I think this is – I know, look, this division's getting mocked as the worst in the NFL, and you look, it is. But, you know, the entertainment and the competitiveness will be there for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, also with us, co-host Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way. Adnan, anything you're working on you'd like to plug? Uh, just plugging the Talcoholic. <clears throat> um, we're – breaking all the news we have our reacts i had my article this morning grading day two of uh of yesterday's legal tampering um i do want to you know just say it is you know really really cool uh for the falcons where you know you see this 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 plan this grand scheme plan where you know you have to be patient at the beginning and you know you are patient throughout those first two years of the Fontenot era, and it's so 
it's so nice to be able to harvest what you sow. And, you know, now we are in the harvest and now we are, you know, enjoying the most action-packed free agency period ever, like that I can remember as a Falcon fan at the very least, probably in, in this team's history. It's so action-packed. We've been talking for an hour and a half. We didn't even mention the Chris Lindstrom extension. No, we didn't have time. There's still like a bunch more stuff we're going to get to next week. Yeah. We, we should spread the content out a little bit, right? Yeah, now. We, we literally didn't even have time to mention the, the biggest contract for a guard yeah. in NFL history. Um, but yeah, the other thing is big shout out to the viewers. We had 230 concurrent viewers at one point. You know, everyone was craving that, you know, that free agency news and Duncan in the chat. Yes, that was a ginger ale that I had tonight. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, shout out to you guys. And, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, enjoying uh, the coming off season with the viewers and, you know, of course, our draft party, which always has hundreds of people. But, you know, definitely it is very exciting times right now. And, you know, hopefully we look back on this off season as sort of a turning point for this team. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm hoping that's the case. I know we all are. So, guys, thank you so much once again for watching, for listening. I'm Kevin. I'm alcoholic. Kevin, uh, check out the community Discord server, which is uh, right there. If you're watching the video, it's also in the show description for the podcast and the YouTube video. Uh, join us there. Uh, if you want to support us, check it out on Patreon, patreon.com slash live. Guys, we'll be back uh, next Wednesday with another live show. Uh, until then, uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the rest of the first few days of NFL free agency. It seems to be starting earlier and earlier with the legal tampering period, but uh, I think I don't think we're done. I think we got some more some more coming. Uh, so stay tuned uh, to thefalcoholic.com. Thanks to everyone for watching. Thanks to all the co-hosts and guests tonight for pitching in, and we will see you next time, guys. Have a great night.